Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. Hey there, so glad to have you join us on the No Water Methodist podcast. Today's episode is just the um, the time we spent in worship this last Sunday. It was Pentecost Sunday, so we decided to read through Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit falls upon the disciples. And um, we just read through that and talked through the basic meaning of it, so this is a good introductory podcast for people who are not necessarily uh, well uh, rooted in the faith, or if you are well-rooted, just kind of a reminder of what the the Bible says and does not say. I was uh, a little frustrated this Sunday. We were supposed to be worshiping outside at the park, and it was raining, so we called that off, and then, of course, it was low attendance because it was raining, and a lot of people are not going to come out when it's raining, but God is still good, and the message stays the same regardless of how many people there are to listen to it. Anyway, you're going to listen to it now, and I pray it's a blessing to you, and that there is something new and helpful and inspiring about what we cover here that is of benefit to you and your faith. All right, God bless you. Okay, it's time to to look at the scriptures together, and we're making good time. I'm very happy. Let's, um, Let's open our Bibles. We're back to the NIV, and I want us to go to page 1691. We're just going to read the entire chapter of Acts chapter 2. This is the story of the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. It was a a Jewish holiday before it was a a Christian one. It's the 50th day after the Passover feast. Um, But something powerful happened on that day. You'll remember from the readings last week, the resurrected Jesus appeared to the apostles on a mountainside outside of Jerusalem. He led them out there, and then he gave them the Great Commission, according to the Gospel of Matthew. And then uh, he ascended up into heaven, and then some angels appeared and said, what are you looking up there for? He's going to come back one of these days, but he's told you what to do for right now. Go back to Jerusalem and pray. So they're in this upper room praying, and then, spoiler alert, the Holy Spirit comes and turns things upside down. So let's, let's hear that story. And uh, I don't think I'm going to do any fancy preaching today. I just want to make sure that we understand the bare bones of what this chapter is saying. Okay, so if you've ever had questions about any of this content, now is the time to raise your hand and ask, and uh, nobody here is going to make fun of you for a silly question. We're just so glad to have God's truth uh, spoken right now. So uh, let's, let's look there, and if you'll trust me, I'll just, I'll read through the chapter, and then y'all stop me at any point if there's, yeah, go ahead, Linda. Page 1691. This is Acts chapter 2. So just like Linda did, if I'm, I'm reading and you need us to stop and answer a question, ask a question, just stop me, raise your hand, go, hey, and I'll say, what? And then you'll say your question. Okay, let's look at Acts chapter 2 together. Listen to the word of God. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Who is they? The disciples, yeah. Apostles are those sent out. The disciples are just students of Jesus. It's, it's the Jesus people. They were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house 
where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Is this a miracle? If this isn't a miracle, I don't know what is. Okay, loud, mighty wind. Is it real? Yes, it's real. Tongues of flame. Anybody ever seen a fire? Yeah, you see the tongues of flame? That's, that's what we have up here. It's supposed to be representing the Holy Spirit up here. But it's like tongues of flame are up there, and it comes to rest on each person, but they aren't burned. Does that make you think of anything else in the Bible where there's presence of fire, but it's not being burned? Remember the burning bush? Whenever God appeared to Moses the first time on the side of Mount uh, Horeb? Uh, so I, I think that's supposed to be a reference here. And then it says they start speaking in tongues, right? If you see that little footnote there, that little C, it says, or languages. And we're going to see here in a minute, they're speaking real languages that existed that they had not known before. So it's like in the Matrix. If you've ever seen the Matrix and Trinity all of a sudden needs to learn how to fly a, a helicopter and they just upload that file to her and she automatically knows how to do it. That's the best metaphor, I think, for this, where they did not know these languages, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gives them knowledge of that language. They have the vocabulary, the syntax, everything they're speaking. Let's hear what they're speaking about. Verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Under heaven, Is it good to be God-fearing? Yes. Okay, so these are, these are Jews ready to hear the word. Verse 6. When they heard this sound, what sound? The wind and then all of them speaking in, in these other languages. Because remember, they didn't have insulation back then. And they had open buildings. So these guys are in this building. But whatever sound that is, you can hear it from the, the, the street outside. They're in the middle of the city of Jerusalem. There are people walking by. People hear this sound. Verse 6. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, we don't know this from our reading, but Galilee was up in the sticks to the north. They were the unrefined Jews, okay? They were the, they were the Okies compared to the New Yorkers, okay? They were the people that, that the people in Judea would think are uneducated, unrefined. So they're amazed that these guys from the boonies know how to speak languages from all... They're, uh, uh, what's, it, what's a person called who knows multiple languages? Yeah, bilingual, trilingual, what, okay. Multilingual, yes. All of a sudden you have these highly educated multilingual disciples yelling out. All right, verse 8. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Okay, so now we get the content. They've been speaking in other languages. We know that. What are they speaking about? The wonders of God. So they're talking about the most important thing. I, uh, I get together with a group of guys aimed at discipleship every week, and uh, it's very easy to talk about other things other than the main thing, right? It's real easy to get together with people and talk about sports or politics or work. 
It's very hard to get together and just talk about who's God, what's he doing? What, how's he working in my life? What's he doing around me? Who is this God? What wonderful things has he done in history? That's what they're talking about. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They rush out into the streets, speaking other languages about who God is and the great works that he has done. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Does wine explain how they can speak in other languages? No, that's ridiculous. However, do we live in a world that writes off God's activity in the world? We live in a world where God is constantly working miracles and doing things all around us, and yet, if people don't want to see it, not only do they not see it, they mock it. They mock it. I was talking with my brother Van Longbonds uh, over at the Hillside Church. He's the pastor there, and he gave me a magazine this week reporting on the young man who went to that um, little island off the coast of India that had not heard the gospel. You remember this a couple years ago? Right after he got off the boat, they shot him to death with arrows. And I don't know if, if you remember, but people all over the news were mocking him making fun of him. Oh, this ignorant Westerner going to enlighten these people with his oppressive gospel. God was glorified in that. The world sees beautiful things and mocks them. That's what happened here. The Holy Spirit was poured out on them, and not only were they not impressed, they mocked it. Verse 14, then Peter stood up with the eleven. The eleven is the, the original twelve, right? Yeah, the, the, the ones that are appointed to spread the gospel throughout the world, the apostles, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Here's the quote, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I don't think we're going to come back to it. Are we in the last days now? Yes, we are. It began a while back. We're still in the last days today. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Is this prophecy still coming true? The Holy Spirit poured out upon all flesh does these things in every demographic group. That is the, some of the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 18, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Has prophecy ended? Or does prophecy still take place today? Still takes place today, it does. We don't want it to, it makes things a lot more complicated. It'd be nice if there was no more prophecy, but prophecy still takes place. How do we know when a prophecy is true and when it's false? Okay, read your Bible. If it doesn't fit with the Bible, it's not, a, it's not a prophecy of God. Anything else? If it comes true, they are a real prophet. If it didn't come true, they are a false prophet. So one of the more interesting things to look at was in the last election, a lot of people made predictions that were false. They prophesied, oh, this guy's, they prophesied Trump was going to win. And uh, they were wrong, but they still haven't recanted. And people who followed them still follow them. The Bible says they're false prophets by this standard but they don't listen. We have to listen to this standard. All right, let's go on. Verse 19. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. 
the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the, great, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. What is the day of the Lord? What is, what is that that he's talking about? What happens on the day of the Lord? Jesus comes back. Anything else? The rapture? Okay, a lot of people preach that there's a rapture where the, those who are in Christ will be raised up. In 1 Thessalonians, it describes us being raised up and meeting Christ in the air. What happens to the bad guys on the day of the Lord? Bad things. Bad things. Uh, bad hard things. Okay. We don't need to go into specifics. Verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that good news? Absolutely. When you read Revelation, though, it's weird. God punishes in the tribulation those who are against him, and they still don't repent. They curse his name even though they're being punished for it. Verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Is this a feel-good message? This is the opposite. This would be considered a, a guilt-tripping message. You killed him. Verse 24, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. So here he's quoting David. And what is that? That's Psalm 20, uh, 16. If you see the Septuagint, that's the language there. He quotes from that. He says that's actually about Jesus. Jesus, the Holy One of God, did descend to the dead, but death could not contain him. It couldn't hold on to him because God raised him from the dead. Is that good news? It's good news for everybody except Jesus' enemies, right? It says those at last who pierced him will see him when he comes and returns, and they will wail. I'm going to wait till the train's done passing. Let's just meditate on what we've, we've heard thus far. All right, verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Who is that? Who's the descendant of David that God put on the throne? Jesus. Okay. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. What does that mean? Did they literally see Jesus raised from the dead? Yes. Yeah, they saw his resurrected body. They talked with him. They spent time with him. They ate with him. We are witnesses of it. Verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received 
from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Where did he say that? You see the little note there, Psalm 110. Verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Does that sound like good news to the people who killed him? Nope. The guy that we hated and killed is now boss of the universe. Do you think that's going to go well for you if you killed him? You have no right to expect it's going to go well for you. Did Jesus enjoy being crucified? Did he go up there on the cross and just bleeding out and shaking and naked and humiliated in front of everybody and just go, oh, I'm enjoying this. I'm so glad to be up here, guys. Thanks for putting me up here. He hated it. So, of course, there is reason for him to punish those who did it to him, isn't there? Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Gee, do you think that makes sense? Yeah. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Who is that? Who's those who are far off that God has called? Somebody say, me. It's talking about you. If you want to be in Christ Jesus, if you want to be saved from your sin, if you want the guilt of Jesus' death and crucifixion removed from you, repent, be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Being baptized isn't really hard. You just have to let the preacher dunk you or pour water on you. But repentance, that's pretty hard, isn't it? And there are a lot of us who manage to do it once, but then we forget how to do it. But the notion of repentance, it's not just a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. Take up your cross daily. Repent of your sin daily. So daily be repenting of your sin. Be baptized into membership in Christ's body of the church. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He will seal you. He will make a home in you. What you do after that point matters. But here he's just talking about how do you begin this journey of salvation? What do you do? Is there anything to be done when you're dead in your sins? Yes, Christ has sent us his Holy Spirit. He has opened the gates of salvation wide to us. The question is not, can he do it? The question is, will you let him? That's the question. Is he calling you? Are you going to follow? Every day we have to make that decision. Am I going to allow the Holy Spirit to live, move, and breathe in me? Or am I going to be a worldly person? Verse 40. With many other words, Peter warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Are people basically good? No. People are not basically good. When people look in the mirror and say, I'm basically a good guy, he is wrong. People are not basically good. They need being saved. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine 3,000 people being added to the membership of this church in one day? That would be crazy. That would be an administrative nightmare. But hey, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Verse 42, 
Here's how they lived afterwards. This is important. This is the pattern set for us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Gee, do we have the apostles' teachings today? Where do we find them? The New Testament, yeah. They devoted themselves to that. And to fellowship. That's hanging out together, isn't it? Do you think they only hung out one day a week? Teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread. What's that? They get together and just break bread together? They eat together. They share meals together. Do you think just one day a week? Do you think maybe they were having each other over for dinner or for lunch or for tea? I don't think they had tea back then, but gee, do you think maybe that's something we're supposed to be doing? Um, and to prayer. That was the last thing. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to eating together, and to praying together. This was their daily way of life. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They shared their stuff. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Here, it talks about eating together twice in this short. Do you think eating together is important? Y'all quit skipping out on potlucks. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Why do you think all the people had favor for them, liked them? It doesn't say it in here. What would we assume? Why would everybody, even non-believers, like them? What kind of signs and wonders does God do? Exorcisms, healings. Those are the things Jesus did everywhere he went. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the apostles, that's what was happening everywhere, the signs and wonders. So even if people didn't receive Christ as the only begotten Son of the Father, the foretold Messiah, they still liked the works that the apostles were doing. And we find that later on when the apostles are persecuted, they're called before the Sanhedrin and they say, we like what you're doing, we don't like you doing it in the name of Jesus. But here, they're doing all these signs and wonders, and the people are happy with them. And they're liquidating their assets and giving to anyone who is struggling. Gee, does that earn favor? Yeah? If all of a sudden we had a bunch of money and we just started handing it out to everybody in Nowata, how, do, how would Nowata feel about us? They would like us. Yeah, we like people who give us money, don't we? They probably weren't giving out money. They were probably giving out food. They were taking care of widows and orphans. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the rest, as they say, is history. Do you all have anything to say about this passage that we've covered? Let's, let's just confess a basic truth. Is the Holy Spirit the same today, or has he changed? Is he weaker or just as strong? Are we called to the same mission or a different mission from these guys? Okay. We've been talking about this for a few years. I, I don't think we're lacking in good doctrine. I think we're lacking in courage. If I could be honest with you about I think the only thing our, our churches lack, well, there's probably a few things, but I think we're doing what Christ has told us to do. We're living, we're, we're working in that direction. We're really talking about the stuff we're supposed to be talking about. We're just not as bold as we need to be. And uh, so I'm just going to urge you, on top of repentance and reading your Bible, I want to urge you today, as you leave this place, to be just pr praying for the Holy Spirit 
to fill you continually and give you that boldness that you lack. Because when you go out from this building, there are a lot of people in deep darkness, struggling and suffering every day, dead in their sins, hating their lives. We have the only thing that can save them, but they're not going to get it if we don't offer it. 